This episode of Pet Resource Radio is sponsored by Hills. At Hills, their decades of science and research guide the company in creating nutrition that's a step ahead, so pets and pet parents can enjoy every day together. As the U.S.'s number one veterinarian-recommended pet food brand, Knowledge is Hills' first ingredient, with more than 220 veterinarians, Ph.D. nutritionists, and food scientists working to develop breakthrough innovations in pet health. Hills Prescription Diet, Therapeutic Nutrition, plus the company's everyday foods, Hills Science Diet, Hills Healthy Advantage, and Hills Bioactive Recipe are sold at vet clinics and pet specialty retailers worldwide. For more information about Hills, their products, or their forward-thinking approach to nutrition, visit them at hillspet.com or hillsvet.com or connect with them on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Our outreach efforts are also supported by La Mega KC, Kansas City's Spanish radio station, and Hot 103 Jams, KPRS, KC's number one station for hip-hop and R&B. We're talking with Phil Hatterman of Rosie Fund about providing help for older or less adoptable pets this week on Pet Resource Radio. From the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, I'm Dave Shapiro. And I'm Sierra Howe, and welcome to the program. We are a production of Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, a nonprofit dedicated to helping keep pets and people together through supportive services. Absolutely. And what, we're recording this the day before Thanksgiving. Super excited. Super excited about Thanksgiving. Dragging a little bit today. <laughs> Just a little bit. Just a teeny but we're tiny do- bit. We're getting there. No, we're totally getting there. It's going to be great. Um, I'll tell you what, how about we do some pet news? Let's do it. First up, a court in Spain has granted a divorcing couple joint custody of their dog, Panda. Yes, you heard that correctly. A pretty standard way of handling dogs during a divorce proceeding is to treat a dog like property, which is also how the law commonly deals with dogs in general. But Lola Garcia from the Law and Animals Law Firm brought this case to court and said the key was getting the court to recognize her client as co-responsible and as a co-carer rather than a co-owner of the pup. She used the 1987 European Convention for the Protection of Pet Animals, ratified in 2017, as an argument to advocate for her client's rights to the dog. As a result of the ruling, Panda will spend a month with one parent and then a month with the other, in addition to there being shared costs for veterinary bills. The U.S. has a number of states, such as New York and Alaska, with laws urging consideration of the dog's well-being when considering custody of a dog during divorce proceedings. According to Christina Stein, managing attorney at the Animal Legal Defense Fund, quote, these laws properly recognize that animals are their own beings with their own interests, which deserve full consideration during relationship dissolutions. So lots of stuff here. Lots of stuff here. We've been having conversations off mic about the idea of pets as property versus pets as their own unique beings. Yeah. Um, And this definitely plays into that. But you can see, you know, looking at this convention that was used in this court case, um, it was written in 1987, was not ratified until 2017. It's 40 years. So it's a long, long time. And uh, that's how slowly things move. And that's in Europe where, you know, they're generally a little more progressive when it comes to animal welfare. Mm -hmm. So, um, but it's, it is nice to see this, this kind of thing coming out and, people being able to argue this successfully in court. 
Next up, Banfield Pet Hospital recently analyzed its records and released a report that revealed a rise in pet obesity over the last decade. With a 114% increase in cats diagnosed as overweight or obese, dog obesity also rose 108% during the same time frame. Banfield also surveyed 1,000 owners of overweight or obese pets and discovered 93% said they faced hurdles in maintaining a healthy weight for their pet. 76% couldn't identify at least one risk of pet obesity. 61% didn't realize obesity carries an increased risk of cancer and 41% delayed a visit to the vet to avoid talking about their pet's weight. This indicates that not only is obesity a problem in pets, but also that vets maybe aren't doing as great a job of talking uh, about the risks of uh, the health risks that come with obesity and that owners aren't maybe doing a great job broaching the topic with their vets. And this isn't a huge surprise as recent surveys of veterinarians have shown that they're actually afraid to talk about obesity with pet owners for fear of it sounding judgmental or offending the owner. Yeah. And so honest hour, all three of my pets are overweight. Yeah. And, you know, I did feel a little hesitant to bring them in because I knew that that conversation was going to come up. But it needs to be talked about because your vet's going to tell you all the things that you can do to knock a few of those pounds off so they can live a longer life, longer and healthier life. So, I mean, ideally, you know, it's a your relationship with your vet is a collaborative relationship where you come in, you provide data to them, and they can give you um, a way to handle that. I mean, a lot of veterinarians are um, overworked, tired. Um, they're they're run pretty ragged. There's a lot of uh, compassion fatigue, um, and it is in part because people don't necessarily want to have these honest conversations or they're just too emotionally fraught to, to really address in an honest way in the time that you're given at the doctor. Um, You know, it it takes a little longer for some people to come around to things, but honestly, it's something that's so, so important Um, when it comes to your pet's health. I mean, a year or two off of their life is way more than a year or two off of our life. So, yeah. And it's, Already so short of a time, such short of a time. Yeah, agreed. So we got to do what we can to make sure that they're in our lives for as long as possible. Speaking of that, why don't we go talk to Phil Hatterman about uh, getting some older and less adoptable pets into some loving homes. It's a really good interview. Phil Hatterman is the president and co-founder of Rosie Fund and host of the dog-focused podcast, Dog Words. We are thrilled to have him on the show today. Phil Hatterman, welcome to Pet Resource Radio. It's so great to be back here. Last time I was here to mm-hmm. interview Scott Cotter, mm-hmm. we were just in like your big conference yeah, room. Conference at a table. room. So, but you have a nice studio here with uh, sound dampening foam on the walls and a nice mixer and mics on booms. Like, this is a, a very nice setup. Thank you very much. Yeah, we use it for the studio. We also use it for um, editing videos and stuff like that. So we are actually just working on some new stuff for uh, for clients for pre-surgery and post-surgery care and stuff like that just because it's, you know, it's easier to get people to watch a video. Than mm, yeah, to, then hand than them a read. stack of Yes, and be like, here's and three sheets of yeah. stuff. Please read through all yeah. this very carefully. Um, all right. So I read that you actually grew up on a farm with working dogs. Now, yes. how, did, how did that inform your ideas about dogs and, and what motivated you to have a city dog? My wife and I both grew up on farms in Nebraska mm-hmm. and you have dogs that 
help with the livestock, and they are pets. You love them, and you play with them, and you take the best care that you can, but rarely, if ever, did they come into the house. Right. And even then, it was ISIS packed in between their toes. And so you bring them in to thaw them out and clean out their toes, and then they're fine. Right. And then they go back out and sleep in their doghouse, which has bales of hay stacked around it. Right. Or into the cattle barn or hog barn. They have all kinds of places to go to be warm. And there are um, watering troughs that are heated so Mm -hmm. they don't freeze over. And you just feed them and take care of them, and they get to run and roam and be a dog. Right. That's what a dog was to me growing up. And I always thought it was cute. My relatives who lived in the city who would have dogs, uh-huh. especially, you know, little dogs. Like, this isn't a real dog, right, but right, it's a right. toy. Right. So when I became a city dweller, I enjoyed playing with my friends' dogs, but I just couldn't bring myself to get a dog because I don't have the space for a dog to run and roam and be a dog. And it wasn't until we started volunteering at KC Pet Project and really seeing not only the need for these dogs to have a home, but also how flawed my understanding of the human-dog relationship was. Mm. Mm. That they don't need space, they need you. And you make it work. Yeah. And whether that's fencing in a yard or um, just making sure they get their walks, you take them to a park, take them to a dog park, get them exercise. They don't have to be roaming free, chasing cattle and rabbits. Right. And, and they're still living a fulfilled life. They're not, they're not suffering at all. Right. They're not missing something. It's, no. It's just a, it's a different kind of mm-hmm. life altogether. Uh, well, let's talk about Rosie. What was what was her story? Rosie was a senior, heartworm positive, antisocial, ears cropped pit bull mm-hmm. at KC Pet Project. They had her, and this was in the old space. It was the big storage barn right. that KC Pet Project was at, where all the barking just echoes and reverberates and leads to more barking and howling. They had her in a kennel as close to the exit as they could mm. so that she could just get in and out to take her on her walks because you had to drag her to get her past other kennels. Mm. So she was there eight months because she doesn't present well in a shelter. Right, right. Which and I know we'll talk about what Rosie Fun does, trying to give dogs like her an opportunity to get noticed. Right. So she wasn't getting noticed, and she was heartworm positive when she was brought in, and she's already a senior dog, so not the strongest um, – internal organs and who knows how long she'd been heartworm positive. Right, right. So we would foster her to at least get her her heartworm treatment and then she could go back in and maybe be more adoptable now that there wasn't that obstacle to adoption. Right. She was the best dog in the world. You get her out of the shelter, and I don't mean just in our home. I mean in my car, driving out of the parking lot. You could see just the change come over her, just the sweetest, most wonderful dog. Yeah. She never became a social dog as far as other dogs are concerned, mm-hmm. but great with people, great with kids. Um, we could not send her back to KC Pet Project because we knew she would go back to the dog she was and would have those same challenges from being adopted. Yep. The heartworm positive was not the deal breaker for people. Right. It was the aggression. And then we just adapted to that. When we took her on walks, if we saw someone coming the other way with our with their dog— we would turn around and go the other direction or take a detour. 
and uh, we didn't go to dog parks with her and just had the best life that we thought was going to be four to six weeks turned into 88 weeks after mm. we'd had her for 88 weeks. I won't go into all the symptoms she was exhibiting, but she had some issues and we took her to the vet and they tried medication and bring her back tomorrow. And after a couple of days of her getting worse instead of getting better, they said, you need to take her to Blue Pearl. We take her there and they're running tests and her liver and kidneys were failing. And we get a call at two o'clock in the morning after she'd been there just over four days saying she's in cardiac arrest. What do you want us to do? We said, nothing special. If you can keep her going, we'll be there in two minutes. And so we were able to be there while they helped her pass. And we go home and this is the day of the Royals World Series Parade. Okay. So we're sitting at home going through all of her toys and outfits and watching uh, videos of her and crying and laughing and uh, then have a brief respite of watching the Royals Parade. And that afternoon we decide, let's just go to Blue Pearl and pay pay this bill. I don't want to get an invoice a month from now and then have to go in again or mail in. Let's let's just go in. And so we – Compose ourselves, go in, and of course, the receptionist recognized us because we'd been there every three or four hours for the last four days. Sure. And said, we just want to take care of the bill. She pulls Rosie's file and says, Rosie had lots of friends. It's been taken care of. Our assumption is that word got out because she was such a staff and volunteer favorite at KC Pet Project that either someone took up a collection or somebody said, I've got this. Yeah. So ICU is not cheap. Yeah. This was four days of, this wasn't just covering a um, booster shot or something. So we decided our way of paying it forward is to help dogs like Rosie find their forever home. Mm-hmm. We're not sure how we're going to do that, but we're going to start a foundation. So we started a 501c3 called Rosie Fund and uh, built the website. And uh, our initial thought was, We'll cover medical medical expenses because mm-hmm. that might be someone's deal breaker. I would adopt this dog, but I don't want to be paying vet bills because it has diabetes or something. And right, have that. that was tricky. It was not as easy as we thought. We figured we can make some arrangements with insurance companies or medical providers, and that went nowhere. So we decided we will pay for the cost of the adoption for the dogs that. KC Pet Project staff helps us identify as being as being the hard luck cases, the ones that are getting overlooked. Mm-hmm. We did that for a while, but what was hard for us with that is you got the feeling people were adopting just because this dog was free. Right, right. And the staff and volunteers would do their best to make it a good match, but you can get burned by someone it's yeah. there's no way of seeing what's in someone's heart or in their mind. Well, and especially you want them to have that. Mm-hmm. That's that's a problem, and that we have that problem here with with surgeries. Sometimes we have to require prepayment because it's like if people don't have that buy-in, mm-hmm. they're not they're not on board fully, and you don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, you need skin in the game, and so we would see dogs that we had paid for a couple months later show up at KC Pet Project again. Uh, yeah, and we went. Back and forth on, do we just cover 50%? How does that work? Um, and finally settled on the Rosie Life Starter Kits, is, which is what we're doing now. Okay. 
the adopter still pays the adoption fee. Mm-hmm. So they have that level of commitment. And um, I've found in my private business that if you make something super cheap or free, that's the value you are setting for your product or service. Right, right. And making the dogs free was saying dogs are free. This is the value of a dog. Right. So by requiring people still to pay the adoption fee, the Rosie Life Starter Kit includes their first leash, their first collar, a gift certificate for the retail at KC Pet Project. Um, Mixed Mutt Creamery has generously donated gift certificates so they, they can get uh, doggy ice cream at Mixed Mutt Creamery in mm-hmm. Crossroads and make the dog more appealing because mm-hmm. our goal always was with paying for them or whether it's the Rosie Life Starter Kits is to get people to pump the brakes because they come in wanting to know where are the Weimaraner puppies? Right, right. <clears throat> and if they will slow down to say, oh, Rosie Life Starter Kit, what's this? And then that starts the conversation about this is a senior pit. She is house trained. She knows all the basic commands. She's good on the leash. She's a wonderful dog for your family because she's great with kids or whatever kind of dog, whatever character is. But it gets the conversation started. Right. Yep. So hopefully the Rosie Life Starter Kits and also just featuring dogs on our social media so that we can show them in context, it's great to have pictures of dogs, mm-hmm. but the pictures of the dogs don't show them interacting with a person. Right. Interacting with a person makes it easier for you to visualize, this is what that dog would be like in my home, in my backyard, in my car. Yeah, here's their personality. This mm-hmm. is kind of what you're in for. Sure, yeah. So helping to market the dogs. Um. Okay, so we talked about the Rosie Life Starter Kits. Is that primarily what you all are doing right now? That and the feature videos on our YouTube channel are the mm-hmm. primary focus, and I can't ask people enough. Follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, and on YouTube. Even if you aren't looking for a dog, you watching the videos, you liking the posts, you sharing helps those dogs go viral so that they do get seen by the person who's going to give them their forever home. Yep. This as big a reach as you can get. And it costs you nothing. Yeah, exactly. That's it. All you have to do so is we'd love it. to have a donation, but a lot of times the likes and the shares are just as valuable yeah. as anything you can donate. As somebody who works in social media, I know all about that. Um, do you have any particularly rewarding stories about uh, helping a senior or hard-to-adopt dog find a loving home? What's been particularly touching is in addition to going to KC Pet Project and uh, featuring the dogs that the staff share with us, fosters let us come into their homes or will meet us at a dog park to create longer videos and show even more of the dog's personality. Mm-hmm. And it's hard not to get choked up talking about you see that dog in what is not their forever home. Mm-hmm. The love they're getting from that foster. And then they have to say goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. My heart's not that big. Yeah. I, that's, I've always had a yeah. very hard God time God bless the people way. who do that. Yep. So uh, Michelle... Kelsey, uh, and I'm going to stop naming names because I'm going to leave a ton of people out. Sure, sure. But 
Maggie Moo and Gregor and uh, Duke mm-hmm. seeing those dogs and those forever and their foster homes and then knowing they're sleeping at the foot of somebody's bed or in somebody's in front of somebody's fireplace. Um, it's just so gratifying. Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine. Well, so you have a podcast. Dog Words. It's called Dog Words. Um, we'd accuse you of ripping us off, but you have like 70 <laughs> episodes more than us. So I guess I can't do that. And I have to acknowledge the fact that you, you're the originator, uh, well, when it comes you. to this, um, and it's fantastic and we love it. And we've, of course, Scott's been on there. Um, you've had it going for a while. What was the impetus in, in starting that? I pay the bills as a media consultant. Mm-hmm. And so I knew how to set up a podcast. I've helped other people build their studios, create podcasts, uh, create content, edit content. Mm -hmm. I thought I should be doing this for Rosie fund. Mm -hmm. This is something that if I were not doing it, I would be asking for help. How do I create a podcast? Well, I just need to do it. It was just right in front of our face. Right. So we got the equipment and I'm able to use that for my other work and just started reaching out to people saying, we want to be on our podcast and you, uh, can find us at Rosie Fund. Just go to rosiefund.org or .com or .net and click on the podcast link or on uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, Google Podcast, Apple, iHeart, Alexa. Tell Alexa you want to listen to Dog Words. Yep. You'll find us. Excellent. Um, who are some of your favorite guests, Ben? Some of my favorite guests have been the ones who... I get to talk to for a half hour before we even start recording the interview. And then we talk for another half hour after that. Right. Uh, Rob Kugler, the author of a dog named beautiful about uh, Bella who had cancer and he was told you need to just let this dog go. Mm-hmm. Cause even if you take her leg, which would have removed her biggest pain, he just thought she had injured a, a joint or something oh. <clears throat> and they find out, no, it's cancer eating away her leg. Um, you need to let this dog go because taking the leg is just going to delay the inevitable by a few weeks or a few months. Right. He thought, well, I want her to enjoy those few weeks or few months because with that leg, she's in pain. So he didn't take away her leg. He took away her pain. And we talk about this on the Tripods podcast that you can listen to. Excellent. Which may not be posted yet. Um, but uh, he took her on a year-long road trip around the United States. Aww. And... She lived longer than what was expected and loved life. <clears throat> You're going to edit me out, edit out me clearing my throat a million times. No, no. <laughs> pop it up the volume on those. Uh, but um, he was just a thrill to talk to because he's had such an interesting life beyond just the Bella story. Right. Um, and a lot of people have just been fun to talk to. Kelly Connaboy, who wrote The Particulars of Peter, which is just a fun mm. book. And as we talked about in the interview, it's a book about a dog and the dog doesn't die. So nice, isn't it? <laughs> so it's a fun read. Uh, Kelly Connaboy is a particular of Peter. Julian Javor, Pet Rescue Pilot, has been on twice. Mm-hmm. He's out of California, flies pets from high no-kill areas to low no-kill areas, and gets them adopted. Every time, both times he's been on, <clears throat> I wish I had another podcast that wasn't about dogs. Right. Because we talked for so long before go. and after, yep. and it had nothing to do with dogs. Mm-hmm. It's like, I've got three hours of content from those two <laughs> sessions that have nothing to do with dogs. 
So, but uh, Julian Javor is is a fun fun guest. So check out all of those interviews, please, and please do. And so, yeah, we've we've talked already about where people can find you, uh, rosiefund.org. That's r o s i e f u n d dot org. Um, and you can go there and you can, you know, make a donation. You can check out the podcast. Absolutely. Check out the episodes he's talking about. Um, and, uh, Phil Hatterman, thank you very much for being on the show today. Oh, it's just been such a thrill to get to see the hard work that you're all doing here and get to be a part of this and see your great studio. Awesome. Thank Thank you so much. December is National Cat Lovers Month. As cat lovers ourselves, we'd love to give you the history of the domestication of the cat. However, we actually did that already last year in episode 17 when we talked about declawing with Dr. Eliza Sundahl. Definitely check that episode out if you want to hear the fascinating history of us helping cats spread themselves across the globe. Instead, today we want to try to reframe a subject that can have big repercussions on the way you think of your cat. Namely, we're talking about how to determine your cat's age in human years. See, the formula used to be that one cat year equals seven human years, so you take their human age and multiply it by seven, and boom, you've got yourself your cat's age. The most recent guidelines have been agreed upon by the American Animal Hospital Association, International Cat Care, and the American Association of Feline Practitioners, and they acknowledge the fact that cats, by necessity, mature a lot more quickly than humans. So in terms of their development, by the time they're a month old, kittens have developed to the point of a one-year-old human. They can walk, they're interacting with humans and other cats, and learning what socialization means. And by the time they're three months old, they're really about four years old in terms of human development. So socialization is well underway. They've learned about hierarchies in their colony, and they're getting more and more independent. When they're one in human years, they're actually more like 15 in cat years. They're likely on their own, able to hunt on their own, are sexually mature, and can create more and more cats. That's why we generally suggest that cats get fixed before six months. You can bypass that whole tricky, sticky wicket of sexual maturity entirely so that none of those mating behaviors get ingrained in them. By the age of two, they're about 24 years old in terms of development. And from that point on, their development slows down. So you can start adding four cat years for every human year. This, of course, means that they're middle aged by about seven and they're seniors by the age of 11. So by the age of seven, it's time to start thinking about their older years and making sure they get regular vet visits to catch any health issues that might crop up. A lot of folks think of seven as still being pretty young, but as anybody who's middle-aged can tell you, you get signs of what to expect later on in life with regular visits to the doctor. So make sure you're providing appropriate food and enrichment for your cat's life stage, and make sure your cat is getting regular checkups to give them the longest, happiest life possible. Now we say goodbye to you, friends. If you want to check out the Rosie Fund or Dog Words, head on over to Rosie, that's R-O-S-I-E, fund.org. As for us, we're a nonprofit trying to keep pets and people together, and you can help. Just head over to PRCKC.org, and you can donate, volunteer, shop our online store, and more. And you know the deal. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcasting app, please rate us and leave us a review because that always helps new people find us. And for the latest news, we're at PRR Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. So until next time, tail wags and purrs to you and yours. And as the writer Christopher Morley said, no one appreciates the very special genius of your conversation as the dog does. Take care. 
Pet Resource Radio is a production of the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, hosted and produced by Sierra Howe and David Shapiro, written, edited, mixed, and mastered by Dave Shapiro, music by Hazel Raw Musical Industries, a.k.a. me, Dave Shapiro. More info at soundcloud.com slash Hazel Raw Musical Industries. 